Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We need to be geared up for the battle. You can't sock the devil, right? What we learn in the New Testament, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So we're fighting the spiritual battle. The Bible says that my enemies are not flesh and blood, right? But principalities, powers, and rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. So my enemies are not people. They're in the demonic realm. My weapons are not physical. They're spiritual. So we may not be picking up swords and spears and bows, but we're picking up prayer and the word of God. Do you tend to be good at multitasking? Some people have a knack for it, while others feel incapable of doing more than one focused thing at a time. Well, today, Pastor Bill explains what it's like to be doing things for God while also being on guard against attacks that are aimed your way. If it feels like too much, know that it's through God's strength and help that you can do anything. So in this case, you're more than capable of withstanding the enemy because you have the winner on your side. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 as he continues his message, Shovel and Sword. Something we note, if you're a note taker, you should write down 1 Corinthians 14, 33. And it says this, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. That God is not the one authoring confusion. That's always going to be a work of the enemy. Um, and again, I learned that as we go, that there'll be things that happen that, um, you know, they're meant to confuse. They're meant to cause doubt. They're meant to, you know, cause discouragement. Lots of different things. But Satan attacks. Uh, one of his strategies is to bring about confusion. Uh, because when people get confused, we don't have focus anymore. We don't know what we're doing, where we're going, what's happening. So um, what I've learned and what I'm learning is this. No matter what the enemy does, I always got to go back to what God said. Because you know the thing that doesn't change, what God said. I can't let what happens affect how I respond to what God said. Because sometimes my flesh wants to respond to what happened. God's like, but what did I say? I said this. Uh, for you guys to remember when we finally got the building here, and for you guys that were there, that was, that was, that was you have no idea, it was a seven-year prayer. That was seven years of praying for a place and finally we got a place and then they got the keys and Saturday we were going to have our grand walkthrough. We had a picnic planned across the street. I got keys Friday night, Friday evening. I had walked through the building. I was like, oh, we're oh, oh, oh. we going to have a barbecue. We're going to walk through here like, like Jerusalem and Jericho. We're going to walk around and pray. And, you know, I was hyped. I mean, this was a great day. I got up early in the morning Saturday to go lock up our barbecue pit spot at the park. And as I was making the corner here, I looked at our building that we had just acquired keys for, and all the windows that were intact Friday when I got the keys, I started looking at the window. They were broken. One window broke, two, three, four, five. They all, from here all the way around, just different ones were broken. And my heart was just sinking. I'm like, what? Oh, man. What happened? No windows were fine for years. I bet that's the first time the windows ever got broke when we got the keys. And I made the, then I got over here and then as I, just, just as I got out of my car, I walked over to look at this window that was broke. Sheriff pulled up and he said, Hey, are you the owner? I said, well, I'm not really the owner. I just was getting ready to start renting it for the church and got keys. He said, man, well, we got the guy that did it. And my first thoughts, my thoughts ran all over the, my thoughts said, Oh, somebody don't want us here. 
somebody doesn't want the church here and this is an attack to discourage. I mean, I'm like all over the place. And, and then I asked a couple, who was it? And they said, man, just a crazy guy. This guy is out of his mind. There was no rhyme or reason. He don't know who owns the building. He just ran through here. And then I came inside and not only had he broke the window and, and cut himself coming in, there was a flag pole in here. You know, it used to be a school. So, you know, the little Christian flag and the he took the flagpole and he went through poking holes and all the drywall. Then he went into that office there. There was a beautiful wooden bookshelf. He just broke it and ripped it all down. I mean, just, and then he took a fire extinguisher and sprayed it all over here. If that wasn't bad, so I walked in and you got the smoke of fire extinguisher blown all over the place, broken windows, holes in the drywall. And I'm like, we're going to be coming over later to thank God for our new building. So... <laughs> You just have to understand that, you know, did it feel discouraging? Oh, my gosh. It felt discouraging. It felt so defeated. But it was like, but God had said to come here. God had said to get the building. God had said to start the work. And we did. And it eventually got done. Now, for you guys that were here while we were doing all the work. So we had to gut this place out. And all this work was being done. This is not the carpet that was here when we got here. There was carpet all down the hallway and all the kids' rooms. And... Uh, there was a Monday holiday, maybe like a President's Day, some weird Monday holiday. I don't remember which one it was. But I had a guy down here doing electrical work, and he called me. He got here at 6 a.m. that day, and he said, hey, man, you need to get down here. This whole place is flooded. And I said, man, don't play with me. I'm, <laughs> I'm not in the mood to play. He said, I'm not playing. And I'm like, oh, and I got up. And from the hallway here, everything back, it was literally just water had flooded. A pipe burst in the wall, flooded the whole thing. And so I put a text in and I just say, any guy, now thank God all the guys were off work because it was a holiday. Any guys are available, come down. We got to pull out all the carpet and we had to get squeegees and push all the water out. But again, if you're asking me, was that encouraging? No. I felt like Satan was just going like, just pow, like, you know, quit already. You're never going to preach in this building. This is a building from hell. It's never going to work. But all the guys came down and in hindsight, that carpet probably needed to go anyway, and it got rolled up and cut out and took it out, and everybody flushed everything out. And then, um, you know, in God's timing, new carpet went down, and somebody painted the hallway floor, and the work still got going. My point is, there were all these points of discouragement where things would happen, and I'm like, God, you could have prevented that, but you didn't prevent that. And I was not to respond to what was happening. God said, do this. So we had to keep moving forward with what God said do. And I could tell you 20 more of those, but I'm just letting you know that you can't respond to what's happening. You can't respond to what's being said. You can't even respond to how you feel. You got to respond to what God said do at every point. Amen. And sometimes that's all you have to go on. If anybody want to see it after church in my phone, I keep a notes thing and it's called confirmation verses. Whenever God tells me to do something, he confirms it with the word. I write it down. I put the date. And while I'm doing that thing and I get discouraged or something happens that that's a setback, I go back and read those verses. And it's like, God, you said. Um, and I will bank on what God said now, you know, um, because I feel like it is on him if he said it. And he, he'd been faithful to his word thus far. So his track record is amazing. So moving on, verse 9. Nevertheless, it says, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set watch against them day and night. So even though the enemy conspired to come against them, to create confusion, they did the same thing. Nevertheless, it says, but anyway, we made our prayer to God. So they prayed to God and they uh, set watch against them day and night. So 
now they're not just praying, but they're watching and praying. And I believe as believers, when we're busy doing a work for God and you begin to experience the attack, there's a time where we got to watch and pray. I'm going to be watchful and prayerful. I'm going to be watchful because I realize I'm under attack. I'm at war here and I'm not going to be walking around all willy nilly like nothing's going on. I'm at war. So I'm going to watch and pray. You know, I played football and one of the fun things if you play football is a kickoff return. At the kickoff return, it's your opportunity, um, if you do it right, to run full speed and hit somebody um, with everything you got. And, you know, so if you are trying to make tape, if you're trying to like if that if there's a play where you have the opportunity to just nail somebody, it is the kickoff. And this is what you're looking for. If you guys never played football, I want to school you. You're looking for what we call an ear hole. So in football, when you run face to face, you should see a face mask. But every once in a while. You got a guy out on the football field. He's on the field. He's got the outfit on. I mean, he's prepared to play the game, but I see his ear hole. I'm not supposed to see your ear hole. Ear hole means you're looking over at the crowd. You're looking at the cheerleader. Something got your attention over there. Ear hole means that when I hit you, you are going to go flop, flop. flop. I'm, I'm going to look like Lawrence Taylor when I hit you in the ear hole. So that's what you look for. If you're running down and I'm like, I got three people looking at me when I see an ear hole, I'm going straight for the ear hole. I'm going to look like a king when I hit that guy in the ear hole. That's not what you want to be in the spiritual battle. You want to be over here in the battle. That's why we got to watch and pray. Don't let the enemy catch you ear holing over here where he just knock you over. And you're not even aware that you're at war. You are at full blown war. If you're doing a work for God, you're at war and Satan is coming and the enemy is coming, there'll be attacks, there'll be accusations, there'll be mean things said and mean things done. All that's coming your way. So you got to watch, be ready, be alert, and pray. Don't watch and run, don't watch and stop, watch and pray so you can keep going forward with what God has given you to do. So moving forward, look at verse 10. It says, then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. So There was some truth to what the enemy said earlier. Are you going to rebuild with all the rubbish and all the, you know, burnt up stuff of the wall? They actually hit a point in verse 10 where it says the laborers are failing. So now the work is kind of coming to a halt um, because there's so much rubbish. And it says they're not able to build the wall. They're going to have to clear out some rubbish to get the building going again. And so I just want to point that out that sometimes when the enemy attacks, it's true. What he may be saying is true. But what Satan presents as an insurmountable, you know, opposition, it's not insurmountable with God. Amen. Uh, it may be like, yeah, it's true that, you know, we are we are just a few people. We are feeble. We are weak. We are few in number. There is a bunch of trash at the wall. However, God said build. So we'll figure out through God how to overcome those obstacles when they do come up. And so uh, verse 11 now, and our adversaries said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. I want you to hear that they're turning it up a little bit. Now they're threatening their lives. The enemy is speaking and saying, look, they're not going to know anything until we come in there. We're going to kill you. I don't know anybody who's ever had a death threat on your life or ever had somebody threaten your life. I'm not a big preacher in that sense. But there are guys that literally they have regular death threats. Uh, Greg Laurie is a guy. Regularly, people are sending death threats to Greg Laurie. Um, Greg Laurie's an evangelist. Greg Laurie's preaching the gospel to thousands of people. He's doing a great work for God. Um, and for whatever reason, he draws that kind of an attack um, where people are mailing in death. He's had someone mail him a bullet 
Um, and just weird stuff that I have you, you know, weird. It'll have you, you know, um, some people say, well, I don't know why he's, he's all those security detail. And it's like, I don't know what's happening in the private world. You know, just for him to get up and go speak, you know, he, he's aware that mail has come in, emails have been sent. People have said things. He still go preach, but he got a handful of guys there with some weapons to do something about the thing if it kick off. So he's, it's watching and praying. He's working with, you know, uh, I think that's commendable, you know, um, there are people that have that level of attack, you know. Uh, again, I've never felt like my life was in danger. If I was threatened with my life. Um, but here the enemy is coming and saying, we're going to kill y'all. And for some people, that would be enough. Uh, um, that's it. I'm not going to be down there talking about killing people. I'm going to be at home. I'll pray for y'all, right? But I just want you to know that that's the, the phrase that you need to hear in the end of verse 11 is the will of Satan. Cause the work to cease. That's what Satan's begging to have happen. How do I make the work stop? Just want it to stop. I want the walls going up to stop. I want the work that God is doing to stop. I want the, I don't want this to take place. And so that's the will of Satan, that the work would cease. And so we have to be committed as the children of God that we wouldn't let the work cease on our watch. But whatever we've been called to do, we would do it until the Lord calls us to stop doing it. But we wouldn't cease what God has called us to do. Now, Look at verse 12. We'll see the persistence of the enemy. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us 10 times from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. And so it's not one time, two times, 10 times they get told wherever you guys go, the enemy is going to be upon you guys. Verse 13, it says, therefore, I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And so I want you to know that Nehemiah doesn't stop the work, but he sets people up for it. He's all right, y'all gonna threaten our lives. We got weapons too. And he put people, he positioned them, some at the lower parts of the wall, some at the upper part of the wall, at the openings, and he set people up with their families, right? So if there's something you're gonna protect first, it's gonna be your family. So he set them up with their families at different points of the wall. And I want you to know, he gave them swords and spears and bows. So for those that are reading this and think, you know, are we supposed to just be passive when the enemy attacks? You know, do we just kind of just Martin Luther King it? Do we just take it lying down? Now, I'm not making fun of Martin Luther King. There was um, there was wisdom in, in a lot of what he did and not being violent and not being reactive and not doing those things. There's a place for that. We're looking here at a physical battle and we're relating it to the spiritual battle. So in the sense here of the physical battle, they're getting geared for war. In the spiritual battle, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be geared up for the battle. You can't sock the devil, right? What we learn in the New Testament, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So we're fighting the spiritual battle the Bible says that my enemies are not flesh and blood, right? But principalities, powers, and rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. So my enemies are not people. They're in the demonic realm. My weapons are not physical. They're spiritual. So we may not be picking up swords and spears and bows, but we're picking up prayer and the word of God and moving forward with what God has given for us to do. And so I just want you to know that they get ready for the battle. Um, they don't stop. They don't quit. They just prepare for war. And sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to prepare for war. Sometimes we know that it's kicking up. And rather than fall back, we need to gear up. You know what? Right now, I just sense that it's kicking up. There's a lot more 
activity than normal. I feel attacked over here and attacked over there. Then you need to gear up for that. I'm going to spend more time in the Word. I'm going to spend more time in prayer. And I'm going to surround myself with people that will war with me and so I can keep going. And so now verse 14, it says, um, and I love verse 14. If you highlight in your Bible, um, this is a great verse. It says, and I looked in a rose and said to the nobles, which I thought was interesting, because what do we know about the nobles? In chapter three, when everybody else worked, the nobles wouldn't do the work, right? So that's just me. I wouldn't be talking to them no more. I mean, forget y'all. But Nehemiah is better than me. Um, he's addressing them. He says, he arose, he said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, listen what he says. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. He gives them three instructions. First, which is critical for the believer, don't be afraid. You know why God doesn't want you to be afraid? Because fear will paralyze you. Fear will make you do nothing when you should do something. Anybody ever been so afraid you just froze and didn't do nothing? That's terrible. If a dog came running and you, if you're afraid of dogs, if a dog came, you just, uh-huh, and you just froze, you for sure getting bit, right? You just, you could have jumped on a car, you could have ran behind a fence, and you just freeze. But that's what fear does. Fear will paralyze you. So he says, don't be afraid. And if I can encourage us here that God doesn't want us to be afraid of anything, we're supposed to fear God, nothing else. If you find that you get afraid of stuff, you know, things happen, you get afraid. But be careful that you don't make decisions because I'm not going to do that because I'm afraid. Don't live like that. Fear God, fear nothing else. He tells him here, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Then he says, remember the Lord, great and awesome. Why not be afraid? Because remember the Lord. Because God's always been there. He's been faithful. Remember him. Instead of being afraid, remember the Lord, great and awesome. That's what you do instead of being afraid. Remember the Lord. Then he says to fight. He tells them, fight for your brethren. We fight for one another, for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Fight for those things. These are the things that matter. Um, and so if the enemy's going to come, um, he's not going to, you know, he, we're not quitting. We're not rolling over. He's going to have to take it from us. Uh, and that's the attitude. We're going to fight for these things. And uh, I believe as believers, um, we're supposed to fight. We're never supposed to roll over. I would rather fail at something than to quit. That the enemy can convince me to not move forward or not do it. Uh, I would rather fail. I'd rather anything else but I just quit. I just didn't even go. Um, and so we want to continue to move forward with the things that God has given us to do. Look now at verses 15 through 18. It says, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears and shields and bows and wore armor. And our leaders were behind all the house of Judah, those who built on the wall and those who carry burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand, they worked construct at construction and with the other hand held a weapon. And uh, that's where I got the idea of the, the, the shovel and the sword. I mean, one hand, they got a trial. They're working over here. And in the other hand, they got a sword. They got, I'm ready for both. And I think that's the, that's just a beautiful picture of the Christian servant. You know, I got the work in one hand and I'm at war on the other hand. Because if you do the work for God, you're going to be at war. You got to be good at doing both. And so they got both things in their hand at the same time. Verse 18 
It says, every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And so the trumpet, they had someone there to blow the trumpet if the enemy was coming to alert everybody that was on the wall so they can get ready to get in position and go to battle. Verses 19 and 20, it says, Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And I like this. He said, look, we're all spread out on the wall because we're working spread out. That's okay. But whenever you hear the trumpet, let's come together. Um, And I just think this is important for all of God's kids. There need to be times when we all come together. Amen. Uh, Times where they had their rallying call. When you hear the trumpet, everybody rally to this point because we're all spread out. We're all separated. But sometimes, although we're all separated, doing our part, we got to come together. And I believe that's an important thing for God's kids. We were all somewhere today doing something. And I think when the church gathers, it's like our rally call. It's when we come together for encouragement, to be stirred, to be challenged from the word, to pray for one another, to stir one another up for love and good works. Um, We come together. We still need each other. We may be sparsed out doing what God's given us to do, but then we come back together uh, at a point in time. So they had their rally call when they would come back together. And he said, rally there. And he said this, our God will fight for us. And that's important to remember, too, because they had the swords in their hands. But God was going to do the fighting, right? You prepare for battle, but God is the one that's going to do the fighting. And we see that throughout the Old Testament, that people would go to war. God's kids would go to war. They would have swords. They would do the work, but God was doing it for them. God was the one bringing them into the place of victory. Um, And so the last three verses, 21 to 23, it says, So we labored in the work, and half of the men held spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people that each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brother, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. And so we had here different people with different jobs in different places. Uh, one goal, they were all committed to do the work. And I just look at the commitment here. They said, we didn't even change our clothes. We just stayed all day. We didn't even change up clothes. Um, and, you know, they had their times to do that. But they're saying it was a level of commitment here. You know, we weren't taking breaks. We weren't going home to get fresh stuff. We were we were going from this to that, from this job to the other job. I worked over here during the day. At night, I'm over here on the night duty uh, watching the gate. And as I look at this, this is hard work. This is a long labor. Um, but these guys were committed to the work. And so I will close with this. That sometimes the work that God will give us to do, um, it's, it's hard work. Sometimes God calls us to do things, and it's not always easy. What God calls us to do is not always an easy work. Sometimes it is laborious. Sometimes it is, man, I'm extending myself. I'm putting in extra hours. I'm giving up myself in an extravagant way. As long as you're doing it in the Lord, for the Lord, because you've been called by the Lord. For them, this would be a season. This wouldn't be forever. They weren't going to be building the wall forever, but they're going to be building the wall until the walls were built. Um, This was necessary, what they were doing. And so um, as we close up this chapter, this chapter is a great reminder that every believer is called to do a work for the Lord, that we're called to work together in this work, and that as we're successful, as we're making progress in whatever God's called us to do, uh, there has to be the understanding and the expectation that there will be warfare, and that should not discourage us. God shows us how to war. Amen? 
But warfare, I've always looked at it as a hint that I'm on the right track. Not to discourage us, but to confirm us uh, that the enemy is trying to stop us from what we're doing because we're making progress. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of Nehemiah, the last historical book of the Old Testament. If you missed part of today's teaching, or if you'd like to hear more from this study, visit calvaryinglewood.org. You'll find all of Pastor Bill's messages there, plus more information about the ministry of A Transforming Word. In various times through this book, Nehemiah seeks out the Lord in prayer. Is there something related to this teaching that reminded you of something you'd like prayer for in your life? If so, let us know. Give us a call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. If you prefer a different way of reaching us, you can fill out the contact form on our website. Again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. If you're not already connected with a local church family, we'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to stream our services or watch previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for spending time in the Word, and feel free to read ahead in the book of Nehemiah. Pastor Bill has more to share about the heart of Nehemiah for his countrymen and for the Lord. So be sure to join us right here on A Transforming Word.